This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode does not contain spoilers, but does mention The Vampire Diaries, Supernatural, Outlander, The Hating Game, and True Blood. For full list, please see show notes. And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are very excited to welcome our new friend, Carly Spade. Carly is a USA Today bestselling author and known for her romanticy series. We currently, and in the past, binged the entire contemporary mythos series, which is still currently being written. Um, welcome, Carly. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, everyone. I'm Carly Spade, and I am a USA Today bestselling fantasy romance author, and I'm really excited to be here to talk with you all. We are super stoked to have you. It's been, like we said, we've been reading, we've read already the Contemporary Mythos series up until this point. Um, We're going to deep dive into some questions. This is completely, like, we'll have all the spoiler conversations, and we really just want to open the the discussion because I feel like it feels like there's just so much context and depth um, outside of just like the general romanticy um, genre that you just kind of deep dive into and jumped off of. Yeah, absolutely. So your tagline on your website is beyond romance. And Jess and I have done our research. We've listened to some interviews just to be prepared. <laughs> and what does beyond romance like mean to you? So I decided to go with that tagline because everything I write is always going to have romance involved, even if it's, um, and I haven't released anything yet that's like this, but there is some stuff in the works in the background that romance may not be the absolute focus, but I 100% will always have it no matter what I do. I can't help myself. (laughs) Um, Even with stuff that I I read, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I I don't not read stuff that doesn't have romance, but I enjoy stuff much more if there is romance involved. And so when I said beyond romance, it's me also opening up the scope that it's not, I just don't only do fantasy, but I also like to dabble in sci-fi and I like to dabble in, you know, uh, other completely just anything, a genre, just kind of opening it up to know that whatever you read from me, it may not necessarily be fantasy, but there's always going to be romance. To jump off that, you already have it integrated into the contemporary mythos series. At least, at least this is like our assumption um, with Hephaestus because he's a futuristic bounty hunter. So I feel like you're already like you're you're already not pigeonholing yourself. Not that that's a bad thing. Everybody mm-hmm. has their own genre, but allowing yourself to have some like breath in your writing allows for like that creativity to flow. Yes. And um, a funny story um, with Hephaestus and uh, Aphrodite specifically, um, I, I came up with a concept story for them before I ever even thought of the series or even thought of Hades or anything. Um, and there was another story I came up with too, long before I had the idea for this series. And both of them are getting worked into potential 
uh, future things. So that's why <laughs> um, I already started to kind of plant the seeds a little bit. But uh, but yeah, it's um, I I like to do all kinds of genres, and so I didn't want to limit myself. But this series specifically is focused on contemporary romance tropes, and that's why. Um, there are six of them in this one because they are they're, they're not going to deviate, but I definitely plant some seeds. And the tropes are all there. Like you have, you know, you have the one bed trope, you have enemies to lovers. I mean, every every god has, you know, you have the, you know, the, I don't want to say this, you know, I'm thinking of Alani where she's just like, you know, down on love and like, it's okay. Yeah. Like I can help everybody else. I mean, there's just so much. There's so Force many. proximity. Oh, bodyguards. Yeah. Yeah. We have it all. It's all, all there. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, that's where the whole, uh, thing came from as far as, uh, I love reading contemporary romance. It's actually probably the second most thing that I read. Um, but when I sat down to write it and I have written one straight contemporary romance, um, and I loved it, but it also involved sharks and everything. So it was a little bit more, um, not your average contemporary romance, <laughs> Um, but when I try to write, just write specifically, I just miss the magic so much because I am so ingrained in writing magic and fantasy. And even if it's not full blown, you know, world building, huge fantasy, but, uh, I missed it. So I decided I'm going to try to get the both best of both worlds. I'm going to do all the contemporary romance tropes that I've always wanted to write, but then I'm going to throw some Greek gods and myth into the mix. So I get the best of both worlds, right? (laughs) And who doesn't love like Greek mythology? I mean, you see so many different retellings, but something that you do so well is that it doesn't feel like a retelling. It feels like an extension of these stories that we already know and love because the, the, the first wives for what I'll say, they're not really involved anymore, but there's no bitterness Mm -hmm. happening between those dynamics either. Yeah, I um I guess people just automatically assume if you're writing something with Greek mythology, they they call it a retelling. And I I I wouldn't label my stuff. You, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't label my stuff as a retelling necessarily because um the myths are there. And for those that are really hardcore into the myths, um, I'm not gonna say my, my books are educational by any means. Um, but I mean they are for the people that are really into myths, there are nods all over the place. And for those that are really knowledgeable, um, some of you will get even more from them than maybe the average person who you know just kind of dabbles in Greek mythology. But I try to keep it level where somebody coming in that really has no idea. Um, can learn a little bit about stuff. Um, but then somebody who's very knowledgeable, um, I mean, if you're scholar level, I, I, I'm going to apologize in advance because I did take liberties. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to be able to, somebody coming in that's brand new to be able to kind of get introduced to things and then maybe actually get, uh, my, my whole purpose was maybe somebody coming in new. I want to spark that interest. So they go out and actually start researching about Greek mythology more. Um, and then maybe actually get to know the Greek myths themselves. But I, I mean, I did, I learned a lot even myself with this series because I, my knowledge was okay, but um, I definitely learned a lot that I'd never even realized and, 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 and came in from different perspectives and, and kind of, I mean, Aries and Zeus, I have a completely different perspective on now after doing uh, my deep dive. I mean, I've always loved Aries since the Xena and Hercules series, (laughs) But um, 
it was, it, I mean, let's be real, it was because of the actor, but um, <laughs> it's, I, but I, as far as the, the, the character himself and mythology, I never really thought one way or the other, but um, I have a whole new respect for him and Zeus now after the series, for sure. Well, something that I really love about um, all six of your full-length novels, and then including your four novellas for this series, is the emphasis on, as Jess was saying, the like First Wives Club, no bitterness, everybody's like talking, there's communication there, but also the the heroine has a best friend, and that best friend is, she's there, she's involved, there's talking going on, like, hey, this guy might be a Greek god. What do you think about that? And And the reaction <laughs> is like, Mm, but it's a reality check and and the female like bonding there is is so lovely and so important and just speaking personally i don't see that in a lot of uh i'm not going to say retellings but like greek themed kind of uh stories like this and was that a priority for you to make sure that there was like a uh, like a female kind of um bond so I grew up loving romantic comedies and um, it was a theme to me and maybe you guys can uh, confirm this or not, but to me, every romantic comedy I can ever remember that I loved, there was always a best friend. Um, there was always, or even a group of friends that um, either you may, it was the, the whole thing, the heroine is denying her feelings for this person and they wake her up type deal or on the flip side, she's not sure about things and they kind of help her work it through it. But every single romantic movie that I have loved, and I'm specifically talking about the ones from the nineties, early two thousands around, those were my absolute favorites. And I will repeat repeatedly watch those because there's not a whole lot of those anymore. And Peak I hope rom-com. They, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but glorious time. Uh, yeah. So I hope that cause they did the hating game as a movie now. So I hope that maybe that'll be the um, the pathway for more stuff like that to come out. Um, but that's an example of, you know, that, 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 that has that romantic comedy from that era that I really enjoyed, but that it was a theme in there with that. So I think I just kind of, I didn't think about it. Honestly, it just kind of organically happens that that's just something, I mean, all the, all of this, the books in this series, it, my inspiration definitely came from that, that era of romantic comedy. So it's, I guess it's just kind of ingrained in me that that's the way that I wanted to approach it because that's what I enjoyed. And that's what I'm, I'm used to seeing story-wise. So it's, it's really wonderful because um, there is a trend recently where the like female MC kind of um, isolates herself from her female friends. Mm. And, and you know, it's like slowly one by one, it's just like losing them, losing them, losing them. And it's mm. all the guy. And mm. it, it was just so fantastic to see just not that in your stories, mm. just the celebration of communication, consent, and just female friendship. Uh, and, and specifically, I love that uh, in your Hades book, you give her, you give Stephanie an ability to continue talking with her best friend, even though mm-hmm. they're like, that was just a little detail. And Jess and I have said like privately that we really love the little details that you put into your book uh, to help the world building. Um, but that just really kind of sold us on this world that you created. It is very thoughtful in a way that you just don't see very often. Well, I'm actually really glad to hear that because I honestly... Um... I know I didn't even think about it when I see it. it was it's it's this is really nice to hear because I did not even think about those things when I was doing it, it was just a detail that I added 
because I realized that Hades himself, just the way that I wrote him, he wouldn't be okay with Stephanie not having some kind of connection to the, to the outside world. And that is, so my Hades book, and I, I'll, put, I'll put this out there for anybody listening, um, mine is, is different. Um, it is different. And I approached it that way for a reason, because I wanted mine to be different. Um, it is not Persephone. Persephone is in the story, but um, he is not with Persephone anymore. And I, you know, I, I've liked the Hades Persephone um, story from myth, but I always kind of wanted to also see a Hades that got to have a relationship where from the very beginning, the woman liked him for him. She pursued him because she was intrigued by him, not because it started for other reasons. And I know there's def- different, you know, variations of the myth and whatnot, but um, I just always wanted to see a version where it wasn't about, oh, he was intrigued by her because she was pretty and picking flowers and he wanted, you know, to have her and Zeus helped him. And um, so just to be, to be clear, mine is not a Hades Persephone retelling. It is, that's why I labeled a reimagining because it is him finding love another way. And um, I have always seen Hades as a character. And I, this is even from Disney's Hercules. I've always seen him as even him who's straight out trying to be, or they're trying to display him as the villain. Um, I never saw him that way. And I wanted to even explore him more that he's just a misunderstood, you know, brooding type. And that's, he, yeah, he got a bad deal, I guess, begin the underworld. But at the same time, I explored that Zeus, I feel, gave Hades the underworld because of the fact that he was the one that felt that he could, the only mentally stable one that could handle it. Um, I still, to, I really do believe out of the three brothers, he is the most stable. Um, even, you know, so I, that I wanted to explore that too. And, um, but yeah, I, um, I think my Hades definitely would not be okay with, you know, Stephanie chose to, to become queen, to be down there with him and knowing, you know, the, the stakes that are there. And therefore he definitely would not want her to lose all ties to her life from outside of the underworld. So that's why I definitely wanted to add that element. He knew Sarah was her best friend and that she would be miserable if she couldn't talk to her. So I, I even did that for his sake too, for readers reading it, that he is a nice guy and he is concerned and he is appreciative of Stephanie agreeing to do this big thing. I think you bring up a great point about um, Hades just in general being misunderstood. I think there's just a stigma that comes with Hades in general of like he's the quote unquote god of the dead when that's really like if you rephrase it and you kind of position it as a well, if he's the god of the afterlife, whatever the afterlife mm-hmm. means for you. And to what you said with having that communication, you even have that line like what um, both you and Laura had been saying is there's a line in Hades where he go, you know, he's talking to Stephanie about, you know, being forth forthcoming to who he is as a person he goes i want you as much as you're not believing me um just remember that at no i have been truthful and upfront with you since the very beginning of this conversation you know regardless Mm -hmm. if you don't believe i'm a god or not so there was Mm -hmm. never uh there there was never a moment of denial to say like well you lied to me no i was Mm -hmm. upfront the entire time and that's that that's laid out in the beginning like it's not even midway through it's laid out in the beginning of the first book Yes. And um, I know some people have noticed the ties and I will admit that um, I did have a little inspiration from the Lucifer TV show of him just being flat out truthful. I, I, I thought to myself that actually is, I like that. So that's why I kind of tie that into um, my book because 
I think out of all three gods, that one is the the most woe when you find out somebody is the god of the underworld. I mean, that's you know, it's 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 already going to be overwhelming. So I wanted it to be that he never, yeah, you said he. I have been straight out. I told you my name was Hades. I wasn't kidding. I told <laughs> I, I told you everything, even though some of the stuff that he said, she took and kind of, you know, oh, oh yeah, you you're married to her for what felt like a thousand years. No, no, no. I actually was. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, things like that. I I appreciated that about the the Lucifer TV show, and it it made it. Um, again, that too, and that their situation as well. He's like, I have been truthful with you from the very beginning. And that was true. He never lied. Well, and that's a cute little nod to have them dress up as Lucifer and Chloe <laughs> in the Halloween novella like that. That is just perfect. That is perfect. Yeah. Very well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that would be fun. Oh, yeah, the Hall- the, all the Halloween. Like, I mean, we love Halloween. Um, just in general, who doesn't, you know, it's like the one appropriate (laughs) time I say appropriate and and air quotes, um, that you don't get judged for like cosplaying or con scene stuff. Like how that's, what's so fun about Halloween. So even all the pop culture references throughout the entire, the entire series between like outlander and supernatural and lost, (laughs) like literally like true. Like like, we were like, let's get into it. Yeah. Do we want, like, we're just like having like our own little book TV, like, everything club because that's you know it's the fandoms it's the passions like it's everything that we love and most people love too i am i am a fangirl myself and i have a lot i have a lot a lot a lot of fandoms if i drop it in my book it means that i like it (laughs) Um, i'm not going to drop something in there that i'm not a fan of but uh i definitely um and it may date my books a bit but i don't care um, it's just, you know, uh, dirty dancing is going to be around forever. So I don't really think that that is, but there are some things that I know may have been a fat, like true blood. Um, I, I just like doing that because I think it, I think it makes a connection. And if somebody doesn't know or get the reference, I hope they look it up. That's my hope. So, <laughs> well, and then even with like the whole pandemic, there's just been a resurgence of people either discovering new passions or relearning that nostalgia, um, go reverting back to that, like, middle school, high school, childhood self of embracing the things mm-hmm. that you love. So like the Vampire Diaries is a perfect example of a comfort series or like out or like discovering new fandoms too. Mm-hmm. I think that's also been just so wonderful, like you said, of what's this reference? Let me look into it. Each of your heroines in the Contemporary Mythos series has a very unique job. They're all very special. Like they all are career women. They're all doing something just really fun, really cool. Do you have a profession that you put in there that you like the most, the least? Like what, how did you come up with their jobs? Um, Well, I will tell you, uh, Stephanie and Hades, um, I come from a cybersecurity digital forensics background. So it, it, for the first book that I wrote, I wanted to at least be able to have something I didn't have to do a lot of research on. Um, so for her, I, I, I've never read a book ever where there was something, there was a, a heroine that was a digital forensics examiner specifically. So I really wanted to just kind of introduce people to the concept of it because a lot of people don't even know what digital specifically forensics is. 
And um, I did throw a couple of jokes in there that I hear often whenever I, I, when I was in the doing examining, when I would hear people, um, they would just automatically say, oh, so you hack things. And no, that's not what I do, but sure. Yeah. It's easier to just say, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I do. Um, but the other concepts just kind of came up to, I mean, obviously Laurel with being a ballet dancer, it just, it made sense with, cause I wanted their, their job to kind of circle around with what the God was. Um, and with Aries, I had to do a lot of research cause I, I used to watch MMA UFC specifically, but especially the, the female side of it, I really, I never really watched it. And I, I didn't really know what it was like behind the scenes, um, but with her and the concept of Aries, it just made absolute sense at the time because she would pretty much, I feel the the women's UFC is 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 modern day Amazons to me, kind of. <laughs> um, so I, uh, that's, I mean, it had to be a, a career that was going to make sense with Aries um, being the type of, you know, God that he is. And Eros, um, it just kind of happened. Uh, at first, I actually went through a couple of scenarios with that one. And I just ultimately decided, I think that that would have been the best because I've always wanted to do the whole, you know, making a bet thing and that he knew that he'd win anyway, but he wanted to, again, straight romantic comedies <laughs> rules. Um and then Poseidon, again, makes an ocean conservationist and, uh, you know, underwater photographer and, um, and the gaming part, because I've always wanted to write a book about a heroine that is a gamer. I love gaming and I don't, there's a few out there, but I haven't read a lot that, that centers around gaming period, let alone the heroine being the main one that's the gamer. And then as far as Zeus goes, um, with him being, yes, he's the king of the gods and king of the sky or god of the skies and, and whatnot, but um, a lot of people forget that he's also a god of justice. That's why I made him a lawyer to begin with, even when I, and I knew that when I, it came time to his book, it was going to be an opposing lawyer. Um, and it was a huge undertaking, though, I'm not going to lie, because <laughs> um, I know nothing about real law. Um, and I know nothing about, uh, how to work a case or anything like that. Um, but fortunately I had an author friend who let me know, did you know that I am a criminal prosecutor in real life? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So she helped me greatly. So again, Jeanette, I give you a big shout out because I couldn't have done that without you. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it was organically, how do they work with the God and to, to be able to make them come into, because otherwise how would they have met? Right. So there had to be something that was going to cause the two to meet. And that's, that just kind of weighed out the options with, uh, what's matched with a modern day version of this God. That's incredible. Uh, I want to kind of go in the same vein as that and talk about all of your different locations. So you have a lot of different locations here. You are, you're in Canada, we're in New York, we're in Colorado, New Mexico, we're abroad for several of them. Do you like to travel? Are these like personal, like... Some of them are places that I've lived um, so that I had kind of a familiarity with them. Yeah, so I have, I've lived in a couple of the locations. Other locations are places I would love to go. Um, But Greece to start with in the first book just kind of seemed 
I don't know, natural. Um, and I've never been there. I would love to go, um, but I've never been, but I just, I did as much research as I could. And um, Scotland is a place that I really want to go, um, but I've never been. Um, but I've always wanted to set a book in Scotland. So I decided, screw it. I'm just going to roll with it with Eros. And that's the, that's the whole reason that she had these Scottish ties and an actual Scottish dad and connections with her clan and all that stuff straight out. It's because I want to write a book in Scotland. So this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, I, and that was so fun because I, I'm not completely caught up on Outlander, but I, I have, you know, they go to the, the clan war, not the clan wars, but like the call of the clan. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I was so excited. Like I was like, this is Outlander. And then when one of the novellas um, that they dressed up as Jamie and Claire mm-hmm. for Halloween, I was like, she loves Outlander because who doesn't out- love Outlander unless you just don't know what it is. So. Yeah. If anybody watches the Outlander show, there is an episode where they do have a specific calling of the clans. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I, I got inspiration from that too. And I, I talked to a, a, a friend of mine, an author, again, who lives in Scotland and is Scottish. And I asked her, do you guys ever actually do anything like this now? And she said they do. And she explains like what they do, you know, in the, in modern times and everything. And the whole, uh, <laughs> the whole McGregor thing actually did come from her because apparently at one point somebody did light something on fire and they had to change <laughs> stuff up. Um, so I got that from her. I said, that's actually really funny. Um, so yeah. <laughs> There are, I'm, I'm leading to something. I'm leading to something. Uh, in all of these different books, uh, some of the places are, um, like kind of general, right? And some of them are very specific. You have specifically named a town, specifically named restaurants, specifically named dishes that you would order at those restaurants. Not what I would have ordered. Just saying. Yeah. I, I kind of, I was trying to throw some nods, but I also didn't want to get too specific because I didn't know about, you know, copyrights and everything like that. So <laughs> full disclosure, uh, I'm from I'm from. Oh, OK. Well, yes, yeah, like- yeah, I love it there. <laughs> all those areas over there. I loved them all. It was, uh, um, it was a little, it was a little spicy hot, but, um, but just the, the culture and just the, everything over there, I absolutely love. So I wanted to make sure I gave a nod and I knew that there are some, um, some dives you can do with pirate ships and stuff still there and everything. So it, it just, it fit. And I wanted to write about somewhere that I was familiar with and still keep with the ocean vibe. So one of my questions is Atlantis, obviously, we know Poseidon. We have the story. I My question was, do you imagine Atlantis in the Gulf? Or was it one of those things where once Poseidon and Corey go into the water, then they get transported to wherever you imagine Atlantis is? Because me personally, I always thought Atlantis was maybe somewhere in the Caribbean. Probably that has to do with, you know, the Bermuda Triangle and everything. And the pirate ships and all these dives. Like, where did you imagine Atlantis when you were writing it? I, I definitely imagine it kind of another dimension, I guess, oh. because that would put it off on a um, mortals can't connect to it, period. I mean, that's why I've always wanted it to be kind of hidden. And there's only there's only a certain way, because if everybody can see it, well, then that's not a mystery, right? So I, um, and that's where the whole concept came from, uh, of the ability for Atlantis to, to create portals and things like that. Um, so that's why I definitely have always imagined it to be 
in a different dimension that can only be accessed by certain mythical beings and with uh yeah i can't say that's a major spoiler anyway different dimension (laughs) well yeah because i mean we already know with part of the conversation that Corey doesn't her her daughter is in like 1700s we know she's in the 1700s uh like the height of piracy um this is road we're talking about right we're talking about yeah i'm referring to road um and that's not a spoiler because it's part of poseidon like that's on paper like that came out we do know that but it's just how everything you know we we still get to learn and discover with um the summer novella coming out yeah where it might or might not go just yet there's just so much possibility yeah yeah i definitely um the the road deal and the uh and her being in a specific era there's a reason for that so mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i know everybody who reads beside it and gets to the end is wondering what the heck what's going on i promise you i promise you and no it doesn't come up in zeus but i promise you questions will be answered <laughs> promise that was the first thing i go you know we we end with poseidon and then zeus there's like no reference to it and even (sighs) with the um with all the novellas we we know that there's little references in between like it's a nod they're little easter eggs if you're reading them sequentially Mm -hmm. um so i was like but but i was having so much fun like i'm you know doing the mermaid thing kind of (laughs) i was there it was very i was so excited to just see your your idea of the magic system specifically tied with like an aquatic theme yeah yeah and i think um with dimension travel and everything i mean it comes up big with hephaestus too or half as i refer to him mostly but um but yeah that's i i've always liked the idea because time travel and dimension travel it's it's i don't even think i've seen any movie or tv show that officially explains how the whole process works so it's actually good for me because then i can kind of just wing it and be like yeah that's why that happened because it's time travel (laughs) that's why (laughs) and i I have full plans to make hephaestus be the same way about it he's like i don't know how it works it's just i go and that's where i go And uh, the fact that there can be ultimate timeline, like multiple timelines going on at one time, and then they can intersect and then one can screw up the other. And yeah, I got all kinds of stuff to play with. So I'm not worried about it. (laughs) But that conversation is is like very much a forefront at a lot of conversations right now between Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm -hmm. And then even with every everything everywhere all at once like you have like those conversations are happening where it's like Mm -hmm. it's happening here's some timelines oh and by the way like doctor who we just announced a new doctor and like worlds time things (laughs) i do i do want to say that hef reminds me just a bit just a bit of captain jack from Doctor Who, because he's got the, and he, you know, the, like, cuff, and he he gives it the shielding, and I just kind of really like that, um, that, that kind of vibe. It was just very fun. It's, it's very exciting, and it's very new, and I really, really love the way that it was plugged in to all of these books, because Jess and I are very conscious about not pigeonholing ourselves into anything, and, uh, it's really great to see that in other like people doing their work so nice (laughs) thank you (laughs) we know that you have the summer novella coming out we know that it's probably going to be like it's going to be like a poseidon Corey focus but with that also comes Corey's best friend meg and we have her storyline of um kind of a relationship 
perhaps being established with Hera. And you probably can't say or share because spoilers <laughs> and all. That's but, fine. W- which is fine. But I just want to say how excited I was and that I didn't realize how much of a Hera sapphic story needs to be out there that you kind of put the groundwork out there. It's so different. It's so original. And again, to go back to like what we were saying throughout earlier in the episode is there's no cattiness. There's no, um, no negativity towards the women in these relationships. And they're like, everybody's pretty self-aware. Never, not really the men. They always have to learn. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but there's just an awareness there and it's something so special to see blossoming. Yeah. And I will say um, anything that I am putting nods to throughout the series, there's a reason for it. And that's about all I can say. Um, And people keep asking me, is this character going to get something? Is this character? And to that, I'll say any character that has shown up or even mentioned, just (laughs) mentioned is fair game. So that's all I'll say. But, um, but the Hera thing, um, she aside, I I always kind of, I mean, I felt bad for her mythology. I mean, she was also always ever seen as the queen of the gods and Zeus's wife. And it was never, uh, she's so many other things. And I think people forget that she's, you know, like a goddess of marriage and a goddess of women and God, you know, about all these things. So I, I felt that it just, um, because I, I do get questions a lot about if I'm going to, you know, are you going to make ever make a, you know, a lesbian or whatever storyline? And I've always said, if it happens, to, you know, if I feel that it just makes sense and it comes along, yeah. But I'm not going to just force it just because. Um, and with Hera, it just made sense to me actually because she is the 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 goddess that she is and what she's the goddess of. It actually made more sense to me that she would. Um, find more happiness and maybe another, you know, another female, another relationship like that. Um, so that's why I definitely planted the seeds for it for sure. Cause it, it just made sense to me. And I, I really, I, I do hope to potentially explore it later. And, and with that, it's also like so often Hera is portrayed as um, scorned and angry and upset all the time. And it's just, yeah. it's not that it's, it's just so refreshing to, to see and to read and to hear um, just a different, just, just like different dichotomies with all of the characters that, you know, that are here in your, your, your reimaginings. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I've, I know Zeus has a bad rep. I mean, um, and I know Hera also to me gets a bad rep because she has a lot of, um, she does some pretty crappy things too in mythology uh, that are just, you know, like, whoa, is that really necessary? I mean, I know you're upset, but wow. Um, and so I kind of wanted to redeem them both because I know they always put, um, I, I've read other stories where they just have, it's it's just Hera empowerment type deal and, and or any, everybody always goes against Zeus and um, and I can understand that, but at the same time, you know, if you really dive into this mythology and these stories, and I've even read, you know, um, historian, uh, recollections of an analysis of these myths and everything, which is how I actually even came up with the retribution, um, concept for Zeus. Um, you got to remember that these myths were all written by mortals, <laughs> Um, and it, it really comes down to them writing the stories to suit their own needs. Um, so I, I ran with that big time for Zeus and he just kind of accepts it. 
You know, it's like, what am I going to do about it? If they need it, that's what they needed. That's what I'm here for. I mean, that is my, my role. And the same thing goes with Hera. It's, you know, I'm no, she wasn't happy because she wanted to be in a relationship that had love involved, but it just, uh, it was convenient at the time. And that's what I still see even in mythology. Um, I don't bring up the fact that they're brother and sister. Just kind of leave that one out there. <laughs> I think that's like kind of like it's the fine. general discussion when it comes yeah, to the. We just, we just don't. <laughs> we just don't go there. Um, that's the only one that I could not get around. I was like, I'm just not going to mention it, and maybe people will forget. Um, <laughs> I wanted to give them both a chance to have these separate stories that redeemed them both, put them both in a better light and just made them to be able to be their own person. Because I feel that Hera was always under Zeus's shadow. And I felt that Zeus got a bad rep and that he actually, um, he has this huge responsibility too. I mean, I, I really, I can't even, you know, that that's why I put the William Shakespeare quote, um, heavy is the head that wears the crown in the beginning, because it is a very true concept for him. Um, full blown. Cause he's got a lot. And I think people just need to also step back and remember that he, he, he's not only in control of the gods, but he also has responsibility to humankind as well. So that's a lot for one person. And, um, you're going to some, you're going to have to discover some type of way to, to cope with it. And I also feel like perhaps the, you know, uh, the countless women was also a way for him to cope with it. You know, I mean, there's just, I don't know, it's just, just gives Zeus a chance. That's all I'm asking people, <laughs> especially my, my book. I promise you at the very beginning, when you start reading it, you may still be like, okay, this is the same song and dance. <laughs> just, I promise, just keep going, just keep going. <laughs> Something else that is really different about your books that I really love, and Jess, I know you really love this as well, is that your female main characters are um, not children. Yeah, you know, that's it's funny. You say, I, I actually, um, I'm not definitely going to mention titles or names or anything, um, but I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> it, it has come up, and I guess um, I will say also my... I think people try to classify my books as new adult, but I will say they're, they're full blown adults. I mean, these, these women are all in their thirties. Um, and so I guess I just, they all have, and I, I mean, I guess, I don't know. It's just, I mean, I'm in my thirties too. Um, and I guess I just, I didn't, um, I know young adult is super popular right now and a uh, new adult even too, but I, I just, I don't know. I've always, I've always liked, even when I was, um, 16, I was reading about women in their thirties. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I, I've just always read that, that genre and I, and I have read young adult is when I was a young adult, but I just, I've always, I don't know. I just, I just like the concept of a woman who, um, not necessarily has it together, but she just has the mentality to be able to. And for this series specifically, I had to have it because this is, it's a huge deal to find out that, oh, Greek mythology is real. And this guy is an actual Greek God. And so because of that, and for it to be believable and for it to happen in one book, I had to be able to have the woman have this mentality already of um, she's been through some stuff and she's seen some stuff and um, their backgrounds also give them the, the different things like Stephanie can see the auras and, you know, uh, uh, Kira is an empath and there's different things that they have that they already kind of sort of have a connection to the world um, that also gives an excuse for it happening 
a little bit faster than what may have happened if they didn't have those other concepts about them. But the level-headedness and the ability to kind of see the big picture uh, mentally is what I also I need I needed it because again you know the pacing is a big a big thing and so I needed excuses for them to be able to come to the conclusion faster because um, we only have so long for them to do so right if we want that <laughs> right. happily ever after. Well, I think what's I, I, not only are they aged up, you know, the running joke with fantasy is like, oh, you know we're past our prime there's no chance for us now and like having and so you know we're not 19 20 year old heroines um so to have that and and they question everything right like even Mm -hmm. once they do finally they grasp the the concept of okay i believe that you're a god i believe that this is going to happen but like i have my own shit too i have my i have my own things that i have a have to question i have my own baggage like like, even with zeus it's well where are we gonna live we have two different like we have our own apartments um i mean granted she made the right choice who wouldn't who would wouldn't want a penthouse um so (laughs) and i mean she it was easier she wasn't even unpacked um (sighs) but i but like you know it goes back to like the even female friendships like am i am i going crazy are we moving too fast like having those conversations with the, with your friends that you know th- that are typically there and your friend kind of knocking some sense into you like you had said of you're an idiot you're letting your own you know your own personal lived experiences impacting like what can possibly be this really good thing yeah and i can de- i can definitely say that i took that from you know my own experiences too i mean i definitely um yeah, I mean, even just any any past relationship, you know, after when there's been some stuff that has gone down that may have not been the best, <laughs> it's definitely going to affect the next relationship you get into. And there's always going to be those questions and, um, you know, doubts and fears. And so the fact of wrapping them into not only in a human perspective, but then you're also dealing with the fact of this guy is a Greek God on top of it. It's a uh, it's a lot to, to deal with. So, you know, I, I may, I may go a little bit, you know, faster than what can be theoretically probably would happen in the real world. But again, we're dealing with fiction and fantasy. So um, it's the, yeah, it was a suspension of disbelief. I, th- there is some, you do have to do some of that with my series and I'm not going to lie, but um, I try to put as much as I possibly can to help alleviate that a little bit though. And just with what these women come from, their backgrounds, their situations, their careers, everything. I, I will tell you, I, I put thought into every single book for that to try to make it as believable as possible while still being a fantasy. So I, I tried my best. It shows. It shows. <laughs> it, absolutely. it absolutely shows. Uh, one of the interviews that Jess and I watched to prep for this was you were talking about um, like advice that you would give for writers. And you said that something that is very important is that you must establish your magic system. Mm. Like that is like your words is very important. Um, And to do that in a way with world building where it's not so like dumpy, 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 and you do that perfectly. It is fantastic. And we learn as they, it it is just wonderful. Uh, We were talking earlier about little details that you put in your books that Jess and I really appreciate. I'm going to point one out and that is the ambrosia wine. That is a detail that solves a huge issue. It, it just takes takes it away, explains it, boom, done. That's the end of it. I really appreciate stuff like that. And it, it was just really wonderful to be like, okay, here's the thing. This is the reason. This is the outcome. Done. It was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I don't have to worry about this. 
I, I appreciate that. I, I didn't want the the mortals to have the only, you know, it, there's, it comes up a lot, right? Where the heroine is uh, influenced by something. Alcohol is usually a thing. And I, 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 I partake in it occasionally myself. I didn't want there to just be the advantage for the guys to be able to have, but so I wanted the gods to also have, I mean, and also I wanted them to be able to have a way to let loose too, <laughs> regardless of them being, um, you know, cause even, even in lore, like vampiric lore, there, they, there's been some instances where they can get, you know, blood drunk or something like that. Um, so I, just because they're immortal or these mythical beings doesn't mean that they should not have a way to let loose too, I guess. <laughs> um, and so the ambrosia wine thing actually comes up uh, quite a bit for me, even with uh, there's some posts I do on TikTok and stuff, and I'm starting to make a joke out of it, uh, where it's saying that they're on the influence of ambrosia wine or something like that, just to kind of get people's interested. So <laughs> I'm glad that you like that because I enjoyed having that little nod too. So yeah, it's a, it's important for like organic world building that way. Like it it is just something that really really stands out to me that I really appreciate. So thank you for that. Uh, Something else that I really appreciate is, and we were talking about it earlier, is that our female MCs have a lot of lived experiences, right? Like Kira's divorced. Um, It is all very important and very just kind of empowering, you know, like for us as women, you know, we don't have like our 30s are amazing. Please and thank you. Um, (laughs) I want to talk about kind of the, the tropes. I know we've touched on it briefly, um, but there are kind of a lot of tropes, I, I feel like, in Zeus. Um, there, there, there's a bunch, right? Because um, we have Kira, you know, found family situation that she has. And then she's like a forced marriage trope situation. Um, I, I, I really like that. So we know well um, that enemies to lovers is like... We love enemies to lovers. How how you love enemies to lovers? I'm I'm assuming. Oh, hundred percent. I I'm ninety ninety five percent of what I do is going to be that. So, <laughs> um, I bring this up because in one of your books there is a pregnancy trope, and I will be honest, that kind of took me by surprise. I wasn't <laughs> expecting it, um, but in the context, it makes absolute and complete sense. Um, did you know? Was that like a, a planned kind of thing or how did that kind of come about? Um, it wasn't planned immediately. Um, I knew that Eros and Psyche had a child, a daughter. Um, and when I decided that I wanted to, that one is, I, I actually would maybe potentially call that one a modern retelling because I did kind of, do the entire concept of Eros and Psyche if it would be a mo- and actually set in a real modern world versus all the crazy stuff that happened in the myth. Because um, Aphrodite is still trying to meddle and um, uh, Elani comes from a very similar background as Psyche. And um, it's so, yeah, that one would probably be the closest I would call a retelling, I say in air quotes. Um, but because of that, I decided that So for him to know for sure that, yes, this is the myth that I was supposed to live all along, I decided, yeah, they can have a kid and it'd be fun because it'll be a little baby cherub for other stories and things like that. And um, so I don't, I don't plan to to do it too often because that's like a special thing for them. Um, I already have people asking about Hades and Stephanie though, but I'm like, sure, maybe later on, I don't know, they'll pop out a kid or two. I don't know. But (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but for those two, it was just, and the fact that the baby had wings and she felt the fluttering. And so she knew that it was, you know, a cherub. Well, and, and to that, it, it's like in that Halloween novella, something that you did very well is there, you know, I know we're talking about the pregnancy trope, but to acknowledge like those, those loopholes that aren't always addressed. What Laura had mentioned earlier is she goes, Oh, well, we've, you know, we've been having sex. Why have we not been pregnant yet? And Haiti goes, what Haiti says, like, well, we haven't had the conversation. There has been no consent about, like, I thought that that was just, I mean, you wouldn't know if you didn't read the novellas, but it's just such an important thing to say, look, we haven't even had this discussion. Why would you even be pregnant? It works differently for gods. And I, and just having that there, you're like, oh, that explains so much. Oh, there's no, like, I, I really liked that. It's yes. like those little, those little attention to details that make, that explain so much in your magic system and how, like, you, uh, how your stories go. Yeah. And I, um, because with contemporary romance specifically, um, there's a big thing that comes up about pe- some people like to know the knowledge of contraceptives and whatnot. And I'll be honest, for me, even in a contemporary romance, I don't need to know that they're doing it. I just assume in the back of my head they're 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 practicing it. Um, <laughs> it. It sometimes takes me out of it. It really does. I'm just assuming. I don't, you know, this is a book. I'm reading it. It's it's still fiction, even if it's contemporary romance. It's still fiction. Um, so with with the gods, though, um, I felt that it had. To, it kind of ties in with maybe the fates, you know, um, they're even kind of coming to play. Are you supposed to have children? Cause these children are also going to be gods. So are they going to have a purpose? Are they going to serve a purpose? Um, and so for Eros and Psyche, um, it was part of their story. So that's why it, it, it kind of happened from their love forming basically. Um, and it's not to say that none of the other gods would ever have children, but I seriously do feel like it has to be a matter of the fates involved too, because again, these are going to be gods. So they have to serve a purpose and they can't just, you can't just want, you know, 10 kids. No, they all have to serve a purpose. So um, yeah, I, I, it, again, it just kind of happened. And even with that story, I said, I guess I never really brought this up, so I'll bring it up here. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's great. Okay. And I live that the convert, like there isn't even a conversation of, um, you know, sometimes there is a general conversation of, you know, to show how much you, you know, two people can love each other. But, you know, the way you've crafted your characters, you know, a child doesn't necessarily mean love. Like you can still have that that strength and love and tender and caringness in a relationship with or without children. That doesn't diminish the type of love that is established. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's important thing too, because there is less and less of that that we see and it's important. It's important. Uh, you brought up fates and the fates. Uh, can you tell us um, fated mates? Was that something that you you like started off with? Like this is how like part of your world building or did that come like kind of later? I've always loved that trope. I, at any, I'm a huge urban fantasy reader um, and, uh, and paranormal romance. Um, I think both of those I actually... I probably read those more than high fantasy and stuff like that. I, I know you both obviously love Sarah J. Moss. I love her too. Um, but uh, I, um, I love the concept of fated mates and especially um, the, the growly, <laughs> uh, like, uh, you know, um, she's mine type deal and all that. Uh, I, I've, I've always loved that. And so I, I had that concept to begin with, but 
I, I'm, I'm sure you both noticed this. It, it kind of varies though, because Eros and Psyche or not Psyche, Eros and Alani are considered um, soulmates. Whereas then we have Aries and Harmony and then Zeus and Kira that are considered, you know, um, the, the whole faded mate deal. So it's different than soulmates. And I purposely did that um, because Psyche and Alani have those connections with the soul itself. Um, and the other ones, I would say that they're faded, but they weren't in the same concept that so they were supposed to come together, but they weren't the, the completion of one half to a whole um, like Aries and Zeus were. And I specifically did that because in my storyline, Aries is Zeus's only one legitimate child. And so they have that connection and they both have these major issues that they, that, that they just can't overcome by themselves. Where, and so do the, the mates that they find. And so when they bring them together, they, they create this, and I'm going to use her name, but it's true, harmony. They create these harmonies. And, um, but the other ones, they still are faded, but in just a different way. But those three couples were specifically... Um, designated by the gods already to to create something within to help balance everything um so yeah i I definitely had the concept to begin with but i decided from the the beginning that i was going to have a different type of concept though for each set of gods so if that makes sense that was rambling sorry no (laughs) no no, that is perfect yeah because one of the things that i loved about zeus and laura and i talk about this a lot and you you had just mentioned is that nobody like with Kira and Zeus, there's even a line where they talk about they're not two halves of a whole. They are both their own whole people as individuals, as themselves. And Kira, you know, she's having some internal dialogue and thought to herself where she goes, we're, we're two whole individual people with these established tracks. We have like these, we're powerful people, but like, holy hell, when we come together, like if we're a force apart, imagine like us being together it's just unstoppable and that's just i think that's just an important message overall that you can be an individual person and you can bring be some be an individual and bring something to the relationship you're not half a person and i love that that's what you wrote awesome thank you (laughs) we really love this i don't know if we've like accurately um portrayed our gushiness but this this has been really special for us um we read a lot of books as like I'm sure you do too, um, but the the difference between stuff that really connects with you and stuff that doesn't is just immediate. And the connections that we had here with the the feminism, the just all of it is just so beautiful. And of course, that is you and all of your hard work. Um, I wanted to ask you about your inclusion of um, various little um, drops that we have here. So you have very casually thrown in there that vampires and werewolves are real. You've casually thrown in there uh, about Norse gods and, you know, Egyptians, all, all of all of this. Uh, is this part of um, your expanded kind of vision? I have told people that have asked that I, I'm not done with mythology. And... Um, I definitely, um, I've even overlapped my Druid duo, which I still have to do the second book of, but I'm still trying to get people involved with the first book. Um, and that's Celtic mythology. And um, then I have, yes, I have my paranormal romance that's out the first book out there right now. I am a huge fan of doing crossovers. Um, and I did it with a, a fan fiction series that I wrote before I started writing and publishing um, on the serious front. But uh 
And so I decided that I was just going to kind of do that with all of my own stuff. And I've been crisscrossing it, introducing the concepts that all of the books that I've written thus far all exist on the same plane. Um, and um, who knows, they may cross over. Um, some of my characters, from, they actually already have started to cross over. My St. Patrick's Day. Uh, yep. Yep. My char- characters from Power of Eternity Power do of show up. Um, and uh, I have seen no reason why maybe perhaps my characters from my paranormal romance can't show up because they seriously do all exist on the same plane and conveniently have not taken place in some of the same locations. So <laughs> convenient. <laughs> yeah, Cute. I didn't even I actually didn't even mean to do that, but it just happened to actually be convenient. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I could I could explore that, but I I'm really I just want to open the doors really hugely for myself, and I I love mythologies of all kinds, and I am not you know against any mythology whatsoever, um, but yes, I introduced some of the other mythologies that I am potentially interested in exploring later. Um, so really, if you read through the series, anything that's mentioned, brought up, brushed on, there's a reason. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so exciting. Yeah. And that would be your paranormal romance would be after midnight. And that would be oh. what Freya and Marcus and then power mm-hmm. of eternity. Um, and then it, eternally yours is not out. Yes. No, that's not out yet. Yeah. So I, I took I took notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep having people ask about it, but um, it was indie publishing specifically. I have to write to what uh, what is hot. Um mm. It's just the truth of the matter. And the Greek gods are, are, are what's, what it's it. So if you, if you want to see the second book, guys, tell people about Power of Eternity. <laughs> um, no I, I want to write it. Yes, I want to write about it. I do. And the, the, the vampire uh, shifter stuff, too. I, you know, I have plans and everything. I just, but I need to, you know, put what's out there and what people are demanding. So um, just let me know. <laughs> and you're a powerhouse like the Hades mm-hmm. Hades came out in July 2020 and then like 10 books later 11 June t- as of June t- and you know June 2022 I mean holy hell like how <laughs> do you just like send it off and then you're like okay while I have like the juice I'm gonna keep typing away while I have everything like how does that like are you exhausted you have to be exhausted uh, oh, I'm not going to lie. I haven't written in a little bit because I needed to take a break. <laughs> um, Poseidon and Zeus, I I started writing them at the same time. And then um, oh. and then because I, because Zeus was going to the uh, to be recorded for audiobook, um, and it was done as a duet for I know you guys listen to it. But for anybody, a duet is that the there is no guy doing a female voice or the female doing a guy voice whenever it's the POV. I, I thought I'd be doing a disservice if I did that to people. So I did it as a duet. Um, and so that, because there's so much more editing involved with that, um, I had to get it out way, way faster than I was anticipating um, to be able to come out at the same time as the ebook and the, and the physical book. So I wanted everything to come out at the same time. So they're like, okay, well, you need to have the book to us by this date then. Was, oh gosh. <laughs> um, so I was writing Poseidon's just at the same time. But then when they told me that, and Zeus was just, uh, he was so demanding in my ear. And I, I had to say, okay, look, I need to finish beside it and then I'll get back to you. So um, after that whole whirlwind of just really getting both those books done and edited and out there and it, I, yeah, I needed a break. So I, I have, I have actually taken a little break, but now I'm back into it. Um, but it's, 
and I do have a day job too. It's just, um, it's fortunately that I can work from home. Um, so I, I am able to, to, to write in between calls and stuff that other stuff that I have to do. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I'm a, um, and for, for anybody into writing, I am what you'd call a, it is a fast drafting process because I won't pause for anything. So if I can't think of a name, I'll just type name. I'll come back to it later. If I can't think of a description or really come up with something for a location, I'll just say type more here. Um, so I just try to get it out. I try to get the first draft out as fast as possible. And I am definitely an underwriter. So I'll usually end up adding, you know, 10 to 20,000 words when I go through my revisions. But if the concepts and everything, the pace of the story, everything is just out of my brain, then I can go back and fix it and make it better. But that is how I get them out faster is because that first draft, I just edit out, get it out, get it out. (laughs) Um, But that truly, and some people that doesn't work for them, but if you try to edit while you're going, it's not going to work for you. Um, You, you really got to just get past that whole blockage of, oh yeah, you made a typo. Oh, well, you'll fix it later. Just keep going. Just keep going. Because if you lose the flow, then it's not going to, um, you know, you, yeah, you're going to have hiccups and, and, and I, there's also the concept of plotter versus pantser. And I am a planter. I will plan to a point. Um, so I'll have with romance, you have to meet, there's certain beats you're expected to meet. Um, and so I have, I have, I have, really obviously with this series, especially, I, I know those concepts very well at this point. Um, when you're first starting to write romance, it may feel a little weird, especially if you're trying to do a slow burn, they're different um, than a uh, initial immediate, what's the one love at first sight. Um, and so with slow burns, it's a different type of pacing. But with this series, again, I have developed, I know those beats. It's like, okay, in the middle of the story, they should be here at this point. And this point in the story, they're having sex. Okay. At this point in the story, <laughs> Um, so that there's that too. I plan to a point. So I at least know where I should be hitting at the chapters that I'm at, at the work count I'm at. And then, um, and then it's just kind of, I, I kind of wing it in between. Um, but that's how I kind of been able to get a six, you know, book series out. And was it two years? <laughs> that's crazy. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, well, you bring up a really fantastic point that, um, Jess, you and I were talking about it earlier, um, privately, but, um, you stated that like the Hades and Persephone Greek myths and stuff are really hot right now. So like that is what, you know, that's what's coming out. Uh, also hot right now. This is not a pun. Uh, it, spice is very, it, you know, smut talk. Spice is very big right now. Um, now, Zeus is more spicy, but he's a spicy person. So yep. the fact that. The fact that marketing-wise, Zeus is a spicier book, he's a spicier person, coming out in a spicier kind of, you know, times that we're in now, kind of all checks all the boxes. But, uh, you know, this was kind of your plan for a while. Uh, what was it like writing, like, spice like this? And also, you know, you're in a male POV um, and, and a female POV. Uh, was it challenging? Yeah. 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 Um, I had to really, so my parents read these books, right? (laughs) Love that for you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I, I will tell you some of like Poseidon may have even had a little bit more if I didn't have a little bit of a block. Um, but with Zeus from the very beginning, 
I knew his book was going to be the spiciest. And again, I, and I, I don't knock on anybody who doesn't do this, but for me, I, I need to have spice with a purpose. That's just me. That's just me. Um, and with, with Zeus, every scene, anything that's going on is, is there's a purpose for it. You know, it, it's building their, their, their passion. It's building their relationship. It's building the tension. So every, every little scene I have is just building and building and building until full blown. Um, so, and he, yeah, he's just, he is, he oozes sex. So I knew I was going to have to make it spicier. And so I said, okay, I need to take this block off and just not worry about anything and just, just go for it. And the male point of view portion, um, my husband got asked a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was my first, uh, dual POV. I've never done it officially. And yeah, Eros had his point of view, but this was first full blown I've ever done. And I was like, oh my gosh. And this is also why he would like to say, and I did make the tang- tagline, always save the best for last, but truly he was the last because I didn't know what the hell to do with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. How am I going to make this guy, this, this Zeus, uh, redeemed, and then also a romance hero. And then I, and I knew I had to do dual POV because you cannot connect with him if you can't be in his head. So I was very scared of that. So I was I just, I'm just going to wait, I'm just going to wait, going to build, going to write some more, build up my skills and we'll see when I get there. And uh, so I, I definitely came up to my husband a lot and there's, um, there's definitely a lot of my husband in that character because <laughs> I did talk to him so much just because I, um, my, my husband, you know, is kind of that charismatic, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm trying to be careful here with the words I use, but, <laughs> um, he's the, definitely the alpha, you know, type character that, um, that Zeus is. So I definitely asked him a lot of questions and he had a lot of inputs and some of the lines that he even came up with made in the book, <laughs> And, uh, so yeah, he gets a nod in the beginning because he definitely gave a lot of input for that. And I would not have been able to make him as, um, I, again, I'm not, I won't name names or anything, but I've read a lot of male points of view from female writers that, um, push things a little bit too much that aren't necessarily the way that guys think. (laughs) Um, and I, I didn't want that for Zeus. I wanted it to be as realistic as possible. And so, yeah, I definitely interviewed him, my husband a lot and, um, just kind of took what he said and said, all right, well, this is still a romance novel. So I'm going to have to, you know, take a little bit of liberties here, but, um, (laughs) But yeah, I, it was a challenge. And then I also decided to do this huge challenge for myself of making it a lawyer romance. And I was so glad I had my friend to read it because, (laughs) um, and the case that I use is actually based on, I actually have had a few people that have called it true crime because it is, um, that case is based off of a real case. Um, I changed the names and everything, of course, but, um, I had a former boss of mine who worked that case, the digital forensic side. Wow. And so I was able to ask him some questions to get some insight into the uh, actual, the because he was sitting there on, for the trial and everything. And so I was able to ask him some questions um, and get some insight to the, uh, the woman who did in fact murder her husband. <laughs> um, so that was nice too, but I decided I was trying to make it easier for myself because I already had all these challenges to begin with of the lawyer stuff and the, um, the dual POV and the more spice and the, um, but Zeus's voice came to me really easily because I always knew 
how he was going to be. And I wanted, it didn't start as him breaking the fourth wall, but then after the first couple of times I did it, I decided Zeus would break the fourth wall. He'd want to talk to the readers specifically. Um, so I decided to make that his thing, breaking the fourth wall and talking to you versus talking, you know, just talking in general sometimes. And that was one of the conversations that Laura and I had leading up into this interview. I said, you know, you have such a great grasp on your characters. Um, and even, even Zeus, like I think in your PR kits, you have like little stickers. And even in the book, he go, he calls himself Big Daddy Z. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we about to read? But then when I sat at like after I read it and I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my gosh, he totally would. She totally knows the character of Zeus because he would give himself that nickname. And I love that Kira even isn't just like oh okay she was like what the fuck is this like she's she's totally like you cannot call yourself i'm not gonna call you that you cannot be giving yourself this nickname he's like oh we'll see you know with his like alpha hole um perspective but like it made and then like once i sat with that i go he totally would she knows her like carly knows her characters so well it was just so you know when you sit with it after a while it was so great i was like oh man zeus Zane. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. Zeus is actually, um, I get asked a lot, like, you know, what is your favorite? And I will say uh, Zeus is one of my favorites. So he's so fun and he's so more uh, involved than people. I think, you know, I've already had some people that say, I will read all of them except for Zeus. And I'm, well, I mean, that's your prerogative, but I'm telling you, it's, uh, he, he's a very, complicated character and um you know yes in the beginning of the book he is extremely arrogant and just what you expect him to be and everything but you know i i did that on purpose because you know that it's introducing him the way people kind of know him but i'm also and i will tell you the dog was 100 (laughs) percent not in there to begin with but i decided at one point okay why wouldn't he have a dog a and b it's something to immediately say, Hey, wait a minute. Maybe we don't, maybe, maybe Zeus is different than what we're thinking. Um, and the, the whole, I have a white lab myself named Daisy and she actually, she actually did her little like lay down and look up at me thing. And that's when I said, yeah, I'll give him a lab. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, that's the whole, where the whole concept came from. I didn't have it at first, but I said, I need something in the beginning. That's going to make them pull their heartstrings a little bit because he is being his usual arrogant ass self. So I need to give something (laughs) that's going to say, wait, 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 just wait a second. He's there's, there's more to him than meets the eye. Um, (laughs) that was totally transformers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, but yeah. And the, the, the PR kits, um, I wasn't at first going to do that, but then I decided, uh, yeah, he's going to have little notes for everybody. And, and, uh, so if you, if you order, if you order a signed paperback for me, uh, you will get a special Zeus box. If you order specifically Zeus, I have special Zeus boxes and you'll get all those little goodies with little notes from Zeus too. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I just have like a very, very basic, very basic question. Um, which uh, female and then which God was the hardest for you to get into the headspace? Um, just, just because uh, just looking through kind of um, the the other things that you've done, uh, you've answered a lot of questions like this <laughs> and I don't want to be repetitive, but I personally, I'm just curious. Harmony, a hundred percent in a hard situation. I'm more the person that's going to cry versus mm-hmm. getting angry. <laughs> so, 
for her to have this uh, this anger to her, I you know I, I I really didn't know how to approach it. Um, and I also, obviously, I've never fought in like, professionally or otherwise. I've never been a confrontational person. I'm always the person that wants to avoid confrontation at all costs, especially physical. <laughs> um, so it was just, she was hard because I really had to, um, I watched a lot of Ronda Rousey videos, a lot. Um, and it wasn't just for the fighting aspects. That was one of them, but also because she is more of that type of person. Um, they're just, I mean, I think they have to be, to be in the, the, you know, the USC MMA or anything like that. So I watched a lot of even behind the scenes videos and everything like that of just her just being, uh, her. And she, you know, when she was doing that, she was a very, you know, aggressive person. And I, again, I don't fault her at all because you have to be. Um, so I definitely watched a lot of that to kind of get, um, a personality for, for harmony. And, um, there's a little bit of Xena in there too. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, she was hard because I, out of all of them, I have the least in common with her. I gave, I tried to give her a little bit. You, you have to put a little bit of yourself into any character you do. Otherwise it, you're, you're not gonna be able to make that connection with readers if you don't have something from yourself. So I did give her a little bit as much as I could, but yeah, out of all of them, she was the hardest and the least like me out of all of them, for sure. And I did see on your Twitter, sorry, I'm not stalking you, uh, that <laughs> you do have a tendency to make your heroines about your height. Uh, is that still consistent? Yeah. yeah, Harmony's the only one that's taller. And I I, I think I made her 5'11". Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're all around 5'6", five, 5'7", five, because... <laughs> I, I know what the hero looks like from this level. <laughs> <laughs> right what you know, um, right? Yeah. Makes sense yeah, to me. Like, I, yeah, well, that's the reason. And that's why, again, she was difficult, too, because I was like, she has to be taller. She's an Amazon. She's got to be taller. Um, and I have no idea what it's like to be a tall woman dating a tall guy. You know, I have no idea. So, it, again, it came down to... Um, watching movies, watching stuff about, you know, where the heroine is, 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 you know, uh, on purpose taller. And, um, I watch, I watch a lot of TV and movies and usually I'll even play video games that are on par with what I'm doing. I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey while I was watching or uh, writing Ares. Um, so I just had to, I always try to, whatever I'm doing, even though I'm playing video games, I do play them a lot, but I, I joke and say they're research, but they kind of are. <laughs> That Assassin's Creed game is absolutely research. Not only can you go yeah. to all the places in Greece, but they have the little like things where you can just learn about it too. Like, oh yeah, that's so absolutely. cool. Absolutely, and that's the whole thing where Malacca. I hadn't even heard of that mm -hmm. before that game, and so I looked it up. And I, I'm sorry for anybody who speaks Greek because I was actually a very bad word. Um, but <laughs> um, I didn't even know about it, so I started doing research and. Uh, well, I ended up changing some of it to Vlakas because I, I, I talked to a person who, who speaks fluent Greek um, to, cause Aries has a lot of Greek in it. And I was, I don't know, I can't rely on Google translate. So I had her look through everything that I had, that I had Greek sentences and words. And she said to me, you would not have a guy saying Malaka to a woman. It's very improper. So I was like, okay, I'm glad I asked. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so she gave me the, uh, the alternative of uh, the Vlacas, which is why I started using it a lot too. But this, these are the things, you know, uh, any writers out there, do your research. It's, it takes just a little bit, but please do your research. <laughs> because we will notice. The readers will notice. <laughs> Somebody will notice. <laughs> yeah, because like I would just, like you said, Google Translate, but that's not always the, the best, the, you know, or even translations in any other language. Um, you could say like verbatim, this is what the, you know, it says, uh-huh. but translated, this is actually what it means. You yeah, know? There's a little yeah. nuance there as well, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's even like if somebody tries to put their language in to do English and then we're reading it going, mm, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I always I try to if I had some Gaelic stuff, I, I, I found somebody who knew Gaelic to make sure that I'm saying everything right. I, I definitely am very much I, I want to try to do as best I can because somebody's going to notice and they're going to call me on it. So, <laughs> yeah, and that was one of like just another thing that I loved. And you had an interview with the Romance Writers Therapy podcast, and you said one of the part of the writing process is that you loved constructive criticism. And I don't think enough people um, seek that out and look for that. You know, I think everybody's so quick to just think like criticism is a negative thing. And you're like, no, like specifically, I think you were talking about the editing of Zeus, for example, you're like, Mm -hmm. give me that feedback. Give me what, because I can't get better if you're not here to, to give me the feedback that I need before it gets into the hands of the public. It's sometimes it just doesn't feel like there are enough eyes on things. And I just mm-hmm. really respect the fact that you're like, you know what, maybe, maybe you need to. And there's different ways to go about receiving criticism. And I think it's important that like how it's delivered, but like being willing to receive that constructively um, is something both Laura and I are like, wow, like you just uh, sometimes it feels like you don't see it enough. Yeah, I um you know, and even constructive criticism, I'm not going to lie, can sometimes be, you know, a little like a kick in the ass, but it's, it's, you, you, you need to be willing to take it because you are spending so much time drafting and then doing another draft and then reading it again and then reading it again, you get very attached to something and you have to be able to step away and have someone else bring up some stuff that you may have not thought about before. And the first couple of times I did it, it was, again, not going to lie. It was a little rough, but I've gotten to the point where I'm begging, no, please just, you know, rip me a new one. I need you to tell me the things that I need to, you know, to fix. Is there something that's going to be potentially offensive? Is there something that doesn't make sense? Is there something I should add? Um, and then specifically the, the spicy scenes for Zeus, I, I told everybody, I need you to tell me if it's too much. Um, I didn't know, you know, I, you know, I didn't want it to be erotica, but at the same time, I also didn't want it to be too, too much to the point where the people that have read all the other books are going to be, Whoa, what is this? Um, so I just needed to know, does this feel forced? Do it? Did I do too much? Are the words, you know, are they jarring you? Cause I use certain words that I don't usually use. Um, and so that the spicy factor was never an issue apparently. So that was good. But, um, but yeah, I just, they did bring up a bunch of stuff that I took into consideration and it always, it never, never hurts my feelings because it always makes the story better no matter what they, and especially if, and these people didn't know what they were, that because they had different comments and they made their comments privately. So, so some of them didn't even realize that they were making the same comments. And so when I'm getting the same feedback from several people, obviously I need to do something about that. Um, so yeah, beta readers, uh, I have a critique partner that I have used 
for six years. Uh, Anna Karina, I love you. Um, but she, yeah, she and I have sw- we swap works, and um, it's great to have that critique partner too. That's uh, constantly with you. That's going to you know we we know each other's stuff, and we're able to be really harsh on each other when need be, and each other's biggest cheerleaders. And um, I think it's important, and it's it's the only way that a writer is going to grow. You have to be willing to listen to other people. And I didn't take. I never take a hundred percent of what everybody says, but I usually take about 80 to 90. I really do because it's uh, it only, it only makes it better. So it's a very important process and a realization um, if you're going to go professionally into it as a writer, for sure. That was an excellent answer. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> that was wonderful. Um, I have a not very serious question just to kind of <laughs> balance, right? We okay. all need a little balance. Um Part of the reason why I personally really love your books, and of course, we do love them very much, is that not only are each of your main characters like unique and interested to do lots of things and are very like active in their life and like participant. Yes. Um, but they, for the most part, um, love music. Do you love music? Oh, I love it. <laughs> yes. Um, so just you have you have crooners in there. You've got 80s in there. You have um, specifically Wicked Games in there. Do you have like where where is your love? All those. <laughs> I'm uh, I, my dad growing up with my dad. My dad is all over the place with music loves. And he even wanted to be, you know, a DJ. But my grandma didn't let him type deal and all that kind of stuff. But um so yeah, I, I I have a very huge love for music, and my tastes run seriously from classical to Frank Sinatra to Metallica. Metallica is my favorite band of all time, which is why it is dominant in Apollo. Um, Wicked Game is my one of my favorite songs of all time, which again is why it's dominant there. Um, and I also have a huge passion for the cello. Um, ironically, I've loved the cello since if you remember the show Wings. I don't know if you ever watched that. <laughs> I never watched it, but I remember like it just wasn't in my realm. But I Yeah. <laughs> Laura um, Helen, like Yeah. The the main the main female character, Helen, was a cellist. And I watched watched Wings since I was a kid with my mom. And it just uh I, I liked the sound of it. And then I just it just kind of, you know, pat- catapulted from there. And now as an adult, I love two cellos, the two, you know, guys playing cello. <laughs> But yes, I, yeah, Apollo was that, that, that is, that book is special to me because I tried to describe how, I mean, music does bring me to tears very often. Um, and so I tried to describe, uh, I, I really did. It took a lot for me to try to, what I was feeling to put it into words. Um, but I tried my best and that was my, my love note to music and dancing. I, I have a dancing background and stuff too. And so that, that book was, um, was nice for me because it was actually you know a little therapeutic even because it was uh, I miss you know dancing and stuff like that too so um, I did get a little a little teary eyed while I was writing some of that stuff because I miss it but um, that yeah music is a huge part of my life always has been oh, excellent uh, those are all my questions Jess yeah I mean let us this is your platform Carly so if there's any type of like um, message you want to put out there any promotion like this is for you so Promote yourself yeah what what do you want us to share with the world so the contemporary mythos series is it is truly contemporary romance mixed with greek myths mythology set in the modern world where we don't know that the gods exist and um it is um i have loved greek mythology 
since again Hercules and Xena and this this whole series has that little bit of a comedy vibe to it like that series did only it's set in modern times versus ancient Greece um, but it, they're just intended to be fun make you feel good make you laugh make you happy cry they are faster paced they're not I'm not trying to you know sink you into this huge world um, it's they are meant to be easy light reads I've been called palate cleansers I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, because that was my intention of going into writing is I want to make people happy. I want you to laugh. I want you to just have fun and just get, you know, sucked in and enjoy the ride. Um, and that's the whole intention behind this series. And so I really hope that anybody who's interested in rom-com fantasy is what people have started to call my stuff. Um, and it's Percy Jackson for adults. So I've heard people call it that too, <laughs> which I'm totally fine with. Um, yeah, I just hope that you can enjoy that and just, you know, have some fun doing so and maybe stay on for other stuff stuff that I'll have down the pipeline. I definitely, um, I have a big world building thing in the works that I've been working on for almost five years now. Um, it does take a lot more. It does take a lot when you're creating a world from the ground up versus one that sets in our already established world. Um, but yeah, so hopefully I can entice you with this, that, that stuff and you stick on with me to uh, kind of uh, explore the worlds I've created from the ground up. So that's that. Excellent. Well, you're doing a great job. We love being a part of it. Thanks for bringing so much happiness and joy into our lives, not just our lives, but every, all of the Everyone. readers and like, and, and even people yeah. who have yet to experience it. That's kind of like what we're hoping to share with a wider audience too. So thank you for taking the time, um, to, to chat with us. We look forward to, and this is know that this episode is for you know this episode this platform so if there's ever a time that you'd like to come back and join us or you know discuss anything like this is for you feel free to be in touch and reach out and we're, we're happy to be that for you okay i appreciate that thank you so much and can you tell us very quickly when your new novella is coming out june 21st first day of summer that is absolutely oh, perfect. perfect yep <laughs> So, you know, thanks. We'll do, um, we'll do an outro. We'll make sure we yeah. have all of Carly's socials in our show notes. And, um, we look forward to discussing more and just deep diving more into the books. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Carly. Really. Thank you. So make sure you're following Carly on her socials. She's on Instagram and TikTok. Author Carly Spade will make sure we have all that information on our show notes. And please feel free to join us on Akafe Podcast on Instagram. And both Laura and I have our TikToks, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Thanks so much for joining. And we look forward to hearing from you all soon. Bye.